What's up, people? Welcome back to another episode of Mawpaw Podcast. I am your host, the more than average Joe. We are back, mainly because I finally figured out how to record phone calls without any special equipment. So for now, we are doing phone interviews. I am really excited for this episode, and I think you're going to find it especially informative. I am interviewing Janine Cook, owner of Cook Publishing. Now, I know I promised I wouldn't get political, and I am hoping that we can stick to that. But at the same time, with what's going on in the world today, COVID-19 has affected a lot of businesses out there, and we just can't avoid talking about it. So we will learn more about how this pandemic is affecting Janine's business, but also talk and learn more about her business herself and her community, just like we normally would. So let's get into it. Thanks, Janine, so much for being with me on the phone. Thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Um, first of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, where did you grow up and what was your first job? Okay, yes. Um, I grew up on a farm just north of Westside here. And uh, uh, kind of a cool side light is that um, my dad actually lived in the same house his entire life until he went to the nursing home when he was 84. So, uh the house is still there it's a century farm and we uh uh sold the acreage off and and still have the farmland so we'll probably keep that in in the family forever so that's a a, a little sidelight we i went to our weva and graduated back in 1978 uh and um pretty much all of my jobs were something related to newspapers from the time that uh i graduated from high school on prior to that time I did the typical farm kid things of walking beans and detasseling and babysitting and and those kind of things so I grew up here and uh, ended up going to Buena Vista College for my undergrad degree and uh, as soon as I was done with college I married my high school sweetheart Dave Cook and he's also uh, an Arweba graduate and we were married 30 years uh, before he died of um, Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, CJD. Um, and a lot of people in the area are familiar with him because he was Arweba's girls basketball coach uh, back in the uh, time when they went to state three years in a row. And, and uh, so a uh, lot of lot of memories there and stuff. So we, we had uh, three kids together who are all married now. And, and I have three grandchildren. So oh, wow. uh, that's... Uh, one of the highlights of my life right now is video calling with the grandkids. Yeah, right now it's kind of sad, but video calls about all we can do right now, right? That's that's right. That's right. Um, so in there, you said um, walking beans and detasseling. For our listeners, can you explain kind of what that is? <laughs> I guess that is true. These days, <laughs> those, uh, especially the walking beans part, um, we had a crew that got together in the summer and um, hi- farmers hired us and we would walk down the rows of the bean fields and cut out the the weeds so that the beans could grow and then the, uh, the weeds wouldn't be there when the uh, beans were combined. And so that was just a, every, from the time I think I was in sixth grade, uh, we did that every summer and, and we'd go out real early in the morning when it was covered with dew and be soaking wet. And then by the time noon time came, it'd be so hot, we couldn't stand it. And we'd all pack a lunch and sit under a tree and, and have lunch and then work some more until it got too hot. So the detasseling 
ask. It's still something that they do, but um, and that's uh, working for a seed corn company and um, taking the tassels out of the top of the the corn stalks, and uh, so it uh, is a, a necessity for the the seed corn companies. Yeah, um, the my dad actually uh, tells me all the time about detasseling jobs that he used to have and how it used to work, and and he said it was one of the worst jobs he had ever had. Um, but it was rewarding at the same time. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and we did that a couple years, um, when I was in high school and then I actually did it a couple years after we were first married before we had kids because, uh, it was, uh, easy money in the summer, uh, good money in the summer. And, uh, I, I remember paying for a new kitchen floor one summer because I, I detasseled. So it's, it's a good, good paying job. Yeah. Um, now you said you went to Buena Vista, is that right? That's right. Did you did you get your degree in journalism? Yes, my degree was in mass communications and English education. So I was certified to teach uh, both English and uh, journalism. Great. Um, a dreaming, er, dreaming, teaching has always been a dream of mine to do as well. Um, what so what what got you interested in journalism? You said that new- newspapers were kind of what you've always been in. Uh, into as as far as jobs go, uh, what right. got you interested in newspapers and journalism? Well, when I was a sophomore uh, at Arweva, we had a class that was called Mass Communications, and um, that was in the mid-70s uh, when the Watergate scandal was uh, uh, in the news very much, and uh, the movie and the book, All the President's Men, and, you know, it was just a... a, a there was a lot of excitement, you know, around the whole uh, newspaper business, and I had a very good uh, English and uh, journalism teacher at high school at that time who got, you know, a lot of kids interested in it. Um, I uh, worked on the school newspaper at Arweva and the yearbook, and then I went on and uh, did that in college too. I also worked at uh, on the um, the college newspaper. So, um, and it's one of those kind of jobs. You know, uh, as I was getting out of high school that summer, I went over to the Denison newspaper and asked if they had any need for a summer employee. And, and so I worked there that summer and all, and then uh, the following three summers, I worked at the newspaper in Storm Lake when I was in college. And, and that was a time when they actually printed the newspaper on Saturday. So I worked on Friday nights until the middle of the night. Um, calling coaches and getting stats and stuff from the football or basketball games that had taken place on Friday night so we could get those into the Saturday morning paper that we printed and and um, and then um, as when we were married uh, my husband had a job where we were transferred several times so we first lived in New Hampton Iowa up in Northeast Iowa and I worked at the newspaper there then he was transferred to um, Indiana and I worked at a newspaper there and that was a daily paper that's the only time I've ever worked at a daily paper uh, and then when it came time for us to move back to Iowa uh, then I decided well maybe I should try teaching if I'm going to ever uh, try teaching so I did that uh, got into substitute teaching and I taught for three years full-time um, in the Grinnell school system. I was a middle school English teacher. And then we decided it was time to move back home. And uh, as our uh, we had our first, uh, our two daughters, and we moved back up this way. And uh, I was hired again by 
uh, Dick Knowles, who owned the Dennis newspaper at that time, um, and he also owned the Carroll Today newspaper in Carroll. So he hired me there, and I worked there for uh, three years right after we moved back. Then um, I had another, uh, our son was born, and I uh, uh, stayed home for a while. I, I did a few other just part-time jobs, and then I got into teaching, and I actually taught at Arweva for seven years uh, from 96 to 2003. And uh, in 2003, I just was, you know, was ready to do something different. And I called the man who owned the Observer newspaper, which covers Arcadia Westside and Vale, and asked if he would ever be willing to sell the paper. My aunt, Cleon Pody, had been the editor of the Observer for 33 years. So when he said yes, he'd be willing to sell it, it basically put my aunt out of a job. So, <laughs> so that was a, but I did have her continued. She wrote the social news for, for the Vale area and, and did a lot of stuff with me uh, during the years. But um, so I start. I bought the Observer in 2003 and resigned my teaching job and uh, have owned the Observer ever since then. In 2011, um, we bought the Manila Times newspaper, and um, that was the case where the person who owned it at that time was going to close the office and combine it with another paper. And um, I, friends, my sister lives in uh, Manila, and some other friends, and they called me and said, "Would you be willing to to buy this one? You know, we want to keep a newspaper in our town." And so I did it, and so we've had the Manila Times since then. And then in 2016, um, the people who owned the Breda News were ready to retire and um, had that paper for sale. And again, some people called and said, "You know, we're not going to have a newspaper if if." Uh, they if they just close it and retire so i basically just bought the subscription list to the breed of news and combined that with the observer so uh since 2016 uh the observer covers arcadia westside vale and Breda, so all that entire area so it's been just kind of a wild ride and and it's a uh challenging career to be in but it's also a lot of fun and uh, a lot of satisfaction of working in the the towns that we work in yeah, well, it sounds like it's really rewarding and it's really commendable that you've been able to um, continue these newspapers on, um, especially in a world where a lot of people are getting their news from Facebook or, or some, you know, some sort of social media. Um, in your opinion, how is it harder for newspapers to stay relevant in, in a digital world like today? Yes, you know, it's, it's a challenge, but, you know, we also, and, and, and just as an example, Facebook, um, you know, we have the, those people, you know, that, oh, well, Facebook's the only thing we need. We're going to just post our specials on Facebook and, and so on. And, and that is very challenging for newspapers because that takes out our income from the advertisements and, and from those businesses. But we kind of use it both, uh, uh, both ways, you know, being a weekly newspaper, we want to stay relevant for our readers. And so much happens, you know, between the time we have to have the papers ready to print on Tuesday, and most readers don't get them in their hands until Thursday, you know, okay, if there's a car accident, or in these days of the COVID-19, you know, there's so much change between there. We are also constantly posting things on each the manila times and the observer both have a facebook page that 
we are always putting updates on there and and so people can keep up to date that way as they're waiting for the print edition to come both of my newspapers also have what's called an e-edition so oh for example for a long time i had a subscriber that lived in hawaii and he could actually read the paper in hawaii um on wednesday at noon when the e-edition went live and it wasn't even really back to the post office yet to be mailed. So um, we really uh, stress that, you know, anybody that's a snowbird going south for the winter and stuff, they can, they can uh, rely on that modern technology to, to read the paper rather than waiting for it to come in the mail, which, you know, it might take 10 days to get to Arizona or Texas in, in the winter time for, for those people. But uh, mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people, it's you know, we it's the actual PDFs of the pages we upload, so they're getting the exact same thing that our print subscribers are getting, but they can just get it soon. Now I have a lot of people that uh, subscribe to both because they want to get the news in a timely fashion, but they just still like to sit in their rocking chair or recliner and read the print edition. Yeah. So they can have the best of both worlds. And, and, and you know, that they want that print edition so they can cut out the things about their grandkids to put in their scrapbook, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we, we, we use Facebook a lot, a lot, and it's not really a dirty word to me, but it's, it is a challenge because people need to realize if they don't support the local newspaper by buying subscriptions or by advertising in the paper, uh, the newspapers aren't going to survive. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's as simple as that. Now we have, a, and I have been in my towns, you know, a lot of my subscribers are uh, the older residents who would not ever be on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So if a business is only depending on Facebook, they're not going to hit those people that, that I'm going to hit with, with the newspaper subscriptions. Um, that's really true. You serve some really small communities. Um, I know West Side, um, oh my gosh, I almost said Arriva. Um, <laughs> West Side Vale, Arcadia, those are really small communities. Brita is a, a, you know, not, not much bigger. Um, do you find it hard to find headlines, um, in these, in small communities like that? Or are you kind of, do you more focus on what's going on in the world or do you do Um, more human interest pieces? Right. Yeah. Local, local is the key word and very, very seldom do we ever have a challenge of, you know, what are we going to put in the paper this week? Um, you know, there is so much going on in our small towns and we are very feature oriented. So when you say human interest, you know, that's uh, lots of uh, things. We, we, our goal is always to have things in our papers that they can't get anywhere else. You know, Mm -hmm. people in these, in Carroll and Crawford counties are very lucky that, you know, the Carroll Daily Times Herald is a, a great newspaper, the Denison Bulletin, the Harlan Tribune, you know, those are wonderful papers and we don't want to compete with them. We want to do things that we can do that they can't. And, you know, some of them sound kind of corny, but we have a, a feature that's called reading it everywhere. And in the observer, actually, we have done this every week since 2004 without missing a week. And what it is, is people take the paper with them when they go on a trip and take a picture in front of a famous thing, you know, and, and then we just talk about, you know, where they're reading it this week, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you know, things like that. You, you know, you don't see that in the bigger papers. That's something that, you know, they can see their friends and relatives here right in these four towns, you know, uh, uh, 
in front of you know some some landmark or whatever uh back when we had soldiers from here uh deployed to afghanistan they actually took the observer to the top of a mountain and and uh, took a really cool picture and we've had some inventive ones of a little girl um sitting on a potty chair reading mm -hmm. the paper or a, a high school kid from Vail many years ago uh did a made a bubble bath and sat in the bathtub and read the paper you know you know you're just not going to find that in a, in a daily newspaper somewhere so so those kind of things is it we depend a lot on you know people sharing what's going on um with us and um and trying like i said to do things that you're not going to see anyplace else this week uh, another great example is i i got a message from a reader in brita telling me that two Brita native sisters were leaving Thursday to go to uh, New York City for 21 days to work as nurses. Oh, wow. And I mean, and they sent me this message like on Monday and we have to have the paper ready to print on Tuesday. But, you know, I was able to send them a Facebook message and say, hey, can we write this up for this week's paper? And so the day that they were uh, heading off to New York City to work, um, I had them on the front page of the Observer. So uh, it's it's we really do depend on businesses and people just to let us know what's going on, um, it, and and people are very good at that, uh, saying, oh yeah, we want to get that in the paper. So it's we we're, we're and and I think oh it's that way overall. You know, across Iowa is very lucky. You know, we has we still have about three hundred newspapers in Iowa. Mm -hmm. Iowa has more newspapers per capita than any other state. And and I think that's because people are used to, you know, it is their newspaper. They want a good newspaper in their town. So yeah. so so that's been good. Yeah, definitely. I I don't actually subscribe to any newspaper, but you're convincing me. Um, <laughs> you should. <laughs> I, I probably should. Um yeah. so I, I do have a couple of questions asked by listeners. Um one so one was actually from my producer's mother, um, and one is from my producer. Uh, my producer asks, do you have your own press or do you outsource? Um, yes, we outsource. Uh, these days you can, with modern technology, you can uh, prepare a newspaper for printing in a 10 by 10 office. I mean, all you really need is a computer and the, the appropriate software, and and that's what we do. We, we have an office. Um, in Westside that um, actually I share with my sister and um, my husband used to work in that office also as we uh, um, years ago uh, and we shared shared the space uh, as soon as the, the pages are made um, up we upload those to the printer and then the printer uh, is actually well uh, it's, it's a little bit confusing but the observer is actually printed in Armstrong, Iowa, which is uh, up by Emmitsburg, Esterville area. Okay. So I finish the paper uh, by Tuesday afternoon. I upload the pages up to the printer, and they, they actually do about 15 different newspapers there at that printing plant. Oh. Um, they finish it and uh, return it to the post office and stuff, and then it and goes out to the the readers uh the manila times goes the other direction they do the same thing they have an office on main street in manila and um they when the pages are done they upload the pdfs to harlan 
to the newspaper office there, and they're, they're, that's another case where they print several area newspapers and prepare them for the, the um, mailing at the post office. Okay. So it's it's uh, uh, a very uh, high tech business, I guess you'd say, but um, you know, lots of different newspapers will join together to print at a central plant so that it can be cost effective to do that as well. That that makes a lot of sense. Um, so the question for my producer's mother is she wants to know if kids still deliver the paper in the morning like she did when she was younger. <laughs> well, some, some of the bigger papers still have uh, newspaper carriers if that makes it cost effective. Um, for small papers like us, we depend um, solely on the postal service okay. and, and, you know, as we hear about the Postal Service's financial problems and stuff, we are, you know, kind of hold our breath because we really need those, uh, the Postal Service to, to deliver wherever we're going to go. Um, I'll give you kind of a quick scenario of the Observer. Like I said, we upload those pages to Armstrong where they're printed, and then we actually pay the uh, people there at the printing plant to prepare it for the post office. So they... Uh, put it, put the labels on the on the papers, put them into the bundles, put them into the correct sacks at the newspaper uh, or for the different towns that they need to go to. Now, all four of my towns, um, uh, Breda, Arcadia, West Lane Vale, the post offices now close before uh, the papers would come back from the printer. Mm-hmm. So we actually mail most of the papers in Odeboat which is still a 514 zip code mm-hmm. and all the, the paper, the page papers are unloaded there. The ones that are from uh, 514 have a certain color, a tag and the out of area ones have a different color tags on the bag. Those all go to the uh, central post office in Carroll, except for Vale, Westside, Arcadia and Breda. Those papers come to our office and we have someone who you could consider a newspaper carrier uh, takes those papers uh, first thing on Thursday morning to the post offices in the four towns. And so that way they can go out to the readers that day in those four towns. Okay. Um, the, the ones that go to Carroll, the 514 zip code ones stay on the dock in Carroll and go back out to all the towns in this area. Um, the rest of them that are out of 514 go on to Des Moines where they go out to the proper areas from there. So, and the same kind of scenario happens with Harlan. You know, we pick the papers up from Harlan, from the printer. Uh, we drop the Irwin ones off at the Irwin post office and the Manila ones off at the Manila post office. And then, the, then they go from there um, out to the different towns. Sounds so. like an intricate uh, process. Yeah, and it, it took a little bit of devising. When they started shortening post office hours, uh, you know, it was a challenge. We wanted to make sure that it didn't take until Friday or Saturday for the papers to get to our local people. So we worked out a system where we can leave the bags um, early Thursday morning and the, the people that work at the post office come right in and put them out in the boxes and works well that way. Um, sounds, sounds, like you've got, sounds like you've got it down now. Um, hopefully, hopefully nothing else happens that, that, that could threaten that process, but, um, right. I kind of going to the revenue side a little bit, I'm assuming advertisements play a large part of your, in your papers. Is it mostly just local companies that advertise with you? For the most part? Yes. Um, 
we are very lucky uh, that we have good support from our local businesses. You know, we don't have an uh, abundance of retail business, but we're we're lucky that the local uh, businesses, whether it's our plumbers, electricians, uh, um, hair hair beauty salons, you know, all these businesses um, support us very well, and they want to make sure that we are able to keep printing the school news that they want and the, the other local news. So um, we do a lot of things with signature ads. Um, a biz- Businesses sign up to run these uh, the little SIG ads at the bottom of the school pages, and we charge them um, once a month to be a part of that, and we just rotate all the businesses. You know, we couldn't do it if we at least didn't get some income out of all those pages. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a very good relationship with the Iowa Newspaper Association, and they have an advertising sales arm of that um, association that they they sell ads for us and that they send out. We belong to a network. And they keep a percentage, and then they send those ads out to the different newspapers who are in the network, and and that's a good uh, source of income. Um, You know, legal notices are another very important source of income. You know, we're the Observer is the official newspaper for the cities of Arcadia, Breda, Vail, Westside, um, the Arweva School District, and Crawford County, and so we are paid by those entities to print their legal notices every week or every time after they have a meeting they, you know, Iowa has very good open meetings laws. And so, um, those governmental entities are, are, um, uh, required by law, which within two week time period to print the minutes from their meeting and a list of the, the claims that they paid at that meeting. And, and so while that's a very important job of ours to make sure that the readers are informed about what's going on, it's also a very important source of income to uh, keep us, you know, to allow us to keep going and do what we want. Um, the Manila Times is the official uh, newspaper for the city of Manila and for the IKM Manning School District. So every time that they have a school board meeting, those minutes and, and their claims go into the paper so that mm. people know exactly what's going on. So, Well, that's, that's awesome. I'm really happy to hear that you've got um, quite a big support system there from the sound of it. We are very lucky, yes. Um, Which kind of leads me into uh, the kind of the big question. Um, You know, uh, obviously the world is changing right now. Um, How has COVID-19 affected your business, if at all? Um, And what can what can your community do to to kind of help to kind of help your business flourish in, in this time? Okay. Yes, it definitely has affected us. And and. You know, as we heard of the, how how COVID nineteen was, you know, spreading and things, we kind of tried to be proactive. And um, usually, we have sixteen to twenty to twenty four pages um, tab pages every week. And we immediately um, the on Monday the sixteenth when um, the schools were closed, um, we w- just said, okay, we're going to go down to twelve pages every week until this is over. Um, and just, uh, you know, get in what we can. You know, we knew advertising was going to go down because a lot of our faithful businesses had, were either forced to change their hours or to close altogether during this time. And so that was one thing. And, and we've just been trying to, uh, you know, keep the things that we know the readers want a lot. 
you know, for instance, we never really even thought about we, we, every week we have a puzzle page or a puzzle uh, feature. And since people have been home more, we've gotten several comments that, well, we're glad that you do that because we, you know, we now we have time to do those puzzles mm-hmm. you know, and things like that and features and, and just, you know, how the uh, COVID-19 is affecting uh, local businesses and local people uh, been trying to, you know, keep that local angle anyway but so we did we reduced pages um we've had some uh like our local restaurants are continued to advertise because they're have trying to sell their specials every day and things mm-hmm. like that so that's been good um you know just a variety of things like that uh we also have closed our offices to the public um for the most part trying to keep um you know just like a lot of businesses we we've locked the doors and, and informed our readers and, and advertisers how they can contact us or where they can drop things off, you know, that they, uh, that we have. So, um, that's been another thing. It's just, it's very hard to not be able to meet with people face to face. Uh, I was just going to start a series, uh, for the paper, for the observer called eight over 80. And I had lined up eight people that were 80 years or older that we were going to do features about, um, two from each of our four towns. And, um, you know, now I just don't feel comfortable going into people's homes and stuff. So, Mm -hmm. and I want to do them in person. So we're, we've delayed that, you know, so just some various things like that, that have, uh, kind of been put off. Of course, you know, school and sports news are pretty non-existent now, uh, other than, you know, we've been trying to, uh, keep spreading the word about, you know, how the meal, uh, the meal distribution system is going in the, in the two districts. Uh, you know, um, we're still trying to feature our seniors. We, that we would normally feature on our school pages throughout the year and, and, and salute them and, you know, but it's, it's a lot less, uh, school and sports news than we normally have on a weekly basis. Okay. Well, um, thank you so much for everything that you do, um, in, in supporting your community. Um, we definitely want to, to support you as well. So, um, if you, if you need anything, if, if your business needs anything, please don't hesitate to let me know. Um, well, one, thank you. one more question. Uh, do you have any goals or plans for the future that you want to tell our listeners? Uh, <laughs> Someday I want to write a book, but that's going to have to be after I retire and sell the papers because I, I too many words go through my head um, on a daily or weekly basis now. But I, I've always had in my head I'd love to to uh, uh, write a book someday just about um, my experiences with, you know, losing my husband and those kind of things and also the newspaper business and just, you know, a variety of things. But so that's, that's on the back burner for now. And it was so funny that, um, that we came into contact this week because I just had a advertiser suggest to me last week that I start a podcast. Oh, really? And yes, it was so funny. I just laughed when I saw your message because, um, these people said, you know, you do a lot of local news and things. You should do some kind of a podcast and spread the local news and, and, uh, features out and, and interview people. And I said, you know, I, I had never once considered that, but now here I am doing this with you. So that yeah. was kind of interesting. <laughs> well, a podcast is definitely a great way to do it. Um, that's really all I have, uh, for now. Um, but definitely thank you so much for, for being willing to talk to me. Um, well, thank you. And and hopefully we can we can talk to you again once everything is reopened and 
and maybe kind of see where your where your newspapers are at um, when everything is kind of calmed down a little bit more. That, um, I'd appreciate that. Thank yeah. you very much. No problem. That was Janine Cook you just heard. I've always wanted to know more about the newspaper industry, especially in smaller towns, and she gave me some great insight into that, and I hope that you got something out of that as well. Our quote this week comes from Neil Gaiman. Fairy tales are more than true, not because they tell us that dragons exist, but because they tell us that dragons can be beaten. With everything going on in the world, I think that that is a very appropriate quote. Thanks to our sponsor this week, Skinner Innovations. Skinner Innovations, makers of quality tools for the fire protection industry. Lastly, here at Mopa Podcast, we would like to thank those that continue to work to bring us back to normalcy, those that work in healthcare in any way, truckers, first responders, security officers, convenience store employees, grocery store employees, the list goes on and I could continue, but that would take far too long to get them all in there. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful day. Bye! This podcast is produced and hosted by me, Joe Skinner. Thanks to our editor, Catherine Skinner. Special thanks to our consulting producer, Gordon Dupuis. Also, a very special shout out to our equipment manager, Brandon Hayes. We miss you.